President Zuma says he will not attend the State Capture Commission and Deputy Chief Justice Zondo says he will apply to the Constitutional Court to have Zuma face imprisonment. Let's get started. Spread the fire, welcome back to SMWX. And if you're new around here, my name is Dr. Cizwe Mbofu-Walsh. On this channel, SMWX, the Cizwe Mbofu-Walsh experience, I explore South African politics through interviews and analysis. Emma Dort, things are getting rough in this country. One minute, you're recovering from President Cyril Ramaphosa's Sona. The next minute, there's the ANC-NEC meeting, which happened over this weekend. Spoiler alert, nothing happened. And we wake up on Monday to realize that Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo, uh, chairperson of the State Capture Commission, says he will institute proceedings to have former President Jacob Zuma held in contempt of court for refusing to comply with an order of the Constitutional Court from earlier this year. So this is serious stuff. These are serious times and you're in the right place to decode this. So let's try to understand what's going on and look at some of the implications. In this video, I'm going to do a few things. First, I want to look at whether President Zuma has any ground to stand on when he challenges and defies in order of the Constitutional Court. After that, I want to look at some of the implications here because I think there are monumental implications for the ANC and also important implications for the country. So I'll look at that, but first by way of introduction, I just want to set out a few facts for those of you who are coming to this with relatively fresh eyes. To cut a long story short, of course, we can go back as far as we want with the story, but to cut a long story short in terms of the most immediate facts, President Zuma was required, at least according to the State Capture Commission, to come before it in November last year to respond to a number of allegations that had been made by a number of witnesses. President Zuma, if you'll remember that time last year, said that he had a right to remain silent if he wanted to, um, and at best, if he was going to be forced to answer questions, he would come before the commission and not say anything. Um, eventually, things broke down between President Zuma's legal representatives and the commission, and President Zuma, during an adjournment at the commission in November, left the commission, and this really angered Justice Zondo. Um, effectively, after that, Justice Zondo approached the Constitutional Court to say, President Zuma does not want to appear before this commission. I want to compel him to appear before this commission. Can you please grant me an order suggesting that that is indeed what should happen? And of course, that case was heard December last year. The Constitutional Court ruled in January of this year, 2021, in favor effectively of the State Capture Commission, stating in a number of its orders, especially from four till around six, that President Zuma was compelled to appear before the commission, that he was compelled to answer questions, 
And of course, that there was no right to remain silent. However, there is effectively a right to avoid self-incrimination, but that can't be applied in a blanket fashion. Now, what do I mean by that? And this is quite an important thing before we analyze what this means. What I mean by that is the right to remain silent, according to the Constitutional Court's judgment, is actually something that applies to people who've been arrested. So when you're arrested, according to the common law and also the constitution, you can remain silent. However, President Zuma is not an arrested person. He is the equivalent of someone who is a witness at a criminal trial because commissions of inquiry often have similar rights and indeed they have those rights in this case to criminal trials. And so a witness at a criminal trial doesn't have the right to remain silent like a person who's arrested. However, they do have the right not to incriminate themselves. So there is a privilege essentially where you don't incriminate yourself or you can avoid incriminating yourself um, as a witness in a criminal trial. And the Constitutional Court suggested, going back to various cases, that the same applies at the State Capture Commission. So President Zuma does not have to incriminate himself at the State Capture Commission. However, that doesn't mean that he doesn't go to the commission. All that means is that when he's at the commission and when he's asked questions, he can, if he believes there's a justification, explain why he can't answer that question because it would be self-incriminating. And then the chairperson would have to make a determination as to whether that's legally justified or not. So. Having sketched a brief background, and if you want more detail on the factual background of this issue, the best place to go is the Constitutional Court just, uh, judgment, because that actually recapitulates the factual background going all the way back to the establishment of the commission, which was established by, guess who? President Zuma. But irony is something we learn to live with in South Africa. So let's get on to some of these crucial questions because for me what's most interesting about this is is yes there's the legal situation going on but there's also a political situation and that's really what i want to analyze here so let's pick apart some of the important political dynamics that president zuma's refusal to attend the commission gives rise to now we need to really look at what this means for the anc first because i think this is an absolutely crucial question confronting the ANC. Now, remember that the party is emerging from a National Executive Committee meeting at which a similar pattern has been playing out for countless meetings, countless months, and I would say years. What do we have in the ANC at the moment? What we have in the ANC at the moment is a deadlock. The ANC is broken into two political poles, neither of which can assert dominance over the party, neither of which asserts full control over the party. And so when an issue confronts the NEC, the highest decision-making body in the ANC, only very narrow majorities carry any particular issue at any particular time. And so because nobody can assert full control, sometimes one faction asserts control, sometimes the other faction asserts control. But most of the time, since these two poles of the ANC can never agree, what we have is a stalemate, what we have is a draw, 
and what we have is the ANC not doing anything. Effectively, what we have is political paralysis. And we saw that at the NEC over a number of questions, but over this question of President Zuma, as well as this question of whether Ace Mahashule should step aside or any leaders who are charged with corruption should step aside. What did the ANC say? The ANC said, well, um, we're going to ask people to step aside, but they don't have to step aside. We're still going to refine these guidelines, which have been in the works for months and months. I mean, how long does it take to get guidelines? Um, and now it's been postponed for another month. It's not clear exactly how it will work. The ANC kicked the can down the road. Why did it kick the can down the road? Because it's deadlocked and it can't get consensus enough for any of its decisions, one way or another, to actually bind the party going forward. So what happens? This paralysis ensues. This paralysis that we've seen right from the moment when the ANC had to decide whether President Zuma should be recalled. And even though it eventually did come to a decision, it was only after weeks and weeks of internal conversations and discussions. And that paralysis has persisted for, for, for ages in the ANC and will persist. So when you have a party that is deeply divided, what this President Zuma moment does is it only sharpens those divisions, it only intensifies those contradictions, and it only serves to further paralyze the party. And what does that mean? It means that President Ramaphosa, who is supposed to be in control of this party as its leader, is silent. There is a political crisis brewing. His predecessor has defied the highest court in the land. And all the ANC and President Ramaphosa have been able to say is, well, generally people should go to the State Capture Commission. But nothing specifically on President Zuma. Why? Because he can't. If he, if he comes out too harshly, he will be punished. If he doesn't come out harshly enough, he will also be punished. So what's the solution? To do neither. To be mealy-mouthed, to dilly-dally, to prevaricate. And here we are in a serious political moment for President Ramaphosa. And so far, uh, more than two and a half weeks into this impending political crisis, nothing firm has been said about where the ANC stands. And I suspect what you'll see is uh, delegations going to Nkantla, people trying to convince the president in the background, but not being able to say anything in public. And that will only intensify and, and expand this political vacuum that is being created because nobody can say anything because of the dynamics in the party. So what happens? A vacuum is created and who's jumping into that vacuum? President Zuma and his supporters. As long as the ANC and President Ramaphosa stay quiet about this, President Zuma and his uh, supporters will jump on every available platform, be covered by the media constantly, and continue to advance their argument and try to build public support for their argument. Now, the fact of the matter is that this is a serious crisis for the ANC because if the ANC cannot act, then the country will be left without any leadership on this question and President Zuma will be operating in an environment where the party capable of holding him to account cannot hold him to account in as 
clear and unambiguous way as it needs to. So what we have here is a situation in which this issue, the Zuma issue, just like the Mahashule issue, just like countless other policy issues, is unable to produce a clear position from the ANC. And it's just another example of how the party itself is split down the middle. And really, when you analyze the NEC and you take every one of its roughly 107 members, what you see is that almost to the person, this body is 50-50 split in two factions. Or at least there are two definite factions and then there's a group in between which, again, mostly usually splits 50-50 because they're divided as well. So we're going to have a situation where there is this constant ambiguity, there is no clarity, and there is a party divided against itself. Now, what does that mean for the country more broadly? What that means is that, firstly, we have a serious constitutional question to confront. That constitutional question is whether a former head of state, someone who swears allegiance to the constitution, someone whose power was given to them by the constitution twice in order to be the most powerful person in the country, a party who gets its mandate from the constitution, we have a situation where that very constitution and the constitutional court which gives the constitution life is being defanged and if we allow the constitution to be defanged and denuded of its considerable and legitimate power, we open Pandora's box, we court chaos, and we tempt instability. Now, I don't necessarily think that such a condition or such a situation will reach its fruition. So I don't think that there's enough in this to plunge South Africa into chaos. Number one, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's really hard to get a revolution going right now when we can barely leave our homes. But secondly, I'm not convinced that President Zuma has enough public support um, to go against the constitution. President Zuma has a lot of public support. There's no doubt about that. He's a very popular person in many places. But so does the constitution. So when you judge popularity, it's not just about the person, but it's does President Zuma have enough support to defy the constitutional court and thereby the constitution? And I just don't think that, that there's enough popular support for such a thing to happen. That doesn't mean that there won't be considerable instability and ambiguity, I just don't think it's enough to plunge the country into chaos. I think that's going too far. Also, you look at MKMVA, which is, I mean, I'm not convinced that MKMVA itself could, could launch any kind of serious rebellion. So what you'll see is, you know, people looking to create instability but I think what you'll also see is a significant proportion of South Africans ultimately coming down on the side of the constitution. And the reason I say that is that you can say what you like about Deputy Chief Justice Zondo, can say what you like about the constitutional court, 
by and large, they've been unimpeachable public servants. They've never been alleged to have uh, committed any acts of corruption. There's no evidence of capture of the Constitutional Court. The Constitutional Court has always done its work relatively impartially. And I say that because you can never be completely impartial as a judicial officer. I don't believe in total impartiality. But I think as far as fairness is concerned, you'll be hard-pressed to find a more legitimate institution in South Africa than the Constitutional Court. And the Constitution is something that cannot just be torn up um, in the defense of one person. So do I think this will cause instability? Do I think this will cause uh, ambiguity? Yes, I think people will defend Zuma, a certain group of people, not as big as they think they are, will defend Zuma to the hilt. But we've already seen that there's enough power in the ANC to have removed Zuma from the presidency. Nothing happened after that. Yes, people were angry. Yes, people said they would defend Zuma. They went to Lutuli House. And this was when he was president, even more powerful than he is now. They went to Lutuli House. They said they would defend him with their lives. At the end of the day, um, that came to naught. Uh, similarly, in this situation, I don't think that there's going to be enough uh, to to kind of fundamentally alter the country, but it will paralyze the ANC and it will leave South Africa in a situation where yet again, for a whole new round of, of questions, President Zuma will, will continue to uh, test the limits of this, of this constitution and of this constitutional era. Does President Zuma actually have a leg to stand on? And, you know, I think President Zuma is often treated unfairly in the South African media. And I'm very happy to accept that there have even been instances of racism which have filtered their way into the way that President Zuma is framed. I think he's often not been given um, a full opportunity to express his side of the story. Now, this platform cannot be accused of that because I have interviewed former President Jacob Zuma and I have allowed him to give his side of the story, especially when it comes to the State Capture Commission. So if you want to hear that, you can go to that interview. But I have to say on this question, I disagree fundamentally with President Zuma and I think he's dead wrong to defy an order of the Constitutional Court to defang the most important institution in our constitutional architecture. And let me explain why I think so. I think firstly, when you look at President Zuma's reasons for defying this constitutional court order, which he lays out in his letter of the 31st of January, I'm afraid there isn't much there which is convincing to me. He really makes two points. Firstly, that former Deputy Chief Justice Zondo should recuse himself. And secondly, that his, President Zuma's rights have been infringed. Now, I don't buy any of those when I look at them and I try to, you know, understand where President Zuma is coming from. Firstly, let's look at this question of recusal. President Zuma says that because of the intimate relationship between him and uh, Justice Zondo, Justice Zondo is compromised and wouldn't be able to look fairly at this question. 
Well, there are a few problems. Number one, why did President Zuma appoint Justice Zondo? Firstly, because he appointed him um, and to the highest court in the land as well. So it's not clear why it was okay to appoint Justice Zondo then, but now Justice Zondo can't hear anything to do with President Zuma. And President and Justice Zondo has heard a number of cases involving President Zuma as a constitutional court justice. For example, the Nganja matter, and this was never raised. But even more to the point, President Zuma did appear before the State Capture Commission in July of 2019. Why did he think it was okay to appear then and not ask Justice Zondo to recuse himself then, but a few months later say that no, actually, Justice Zondo should recuse himself. So there are serious inconsistencies with President Zuma's argument that, that any honest observer actually has to admit. Then there's this question of the proximity of Justice Zondo to the Constitutional Court, and he used his proximity and to the court to get to the Constitutional Court. Listen, the, the justices of the Constitutional Court are, in my view, above reproach. I don't see why they would uh, only consider this if it wasn't an issue of national importance. This was an urgent question. The state capture inquiry is a public question. And, you know, it was a legitimate hearing. I think what President Zuma would have to show is that this is not in the public interest. It wasn't urgent. It's not legitimate. I think it was clearly legitimate. And the Constitutional Court in its judgment sets out why they heard the case, why they believed it was appropriate to approach the Constitutional Court directly. And quite frankly, unless President Zuma is arguing that no judge can ever litigate, then it seems strange that you would say that Deputy Chief Justice Zondor and the Commission can't participate in litigation which goes to the Constitutional Court, just because he happens also to be a Justice of the Constitutional Court. But of course he wasn't presiding in that matter because of his role as Deputy Chief Justice. So. The proximity argument for me is weak as well. And then you've got this question of President Zuma's rights. And I've already explained that there's no right to remain silent. There's only a right to avoid, or at least a privilege to avoid self-incrimination. But that you have to do on a contextual basis at the commission. You can't just say, I won't answer any questions. I'm not coming to the commission because I'll incriminate myself. The question has to be asked and then you have to explain to the chairperson why you would incriminate yourself and then the chairperson decides whether you should answer or not. So it's not clear to me and I hear that you know President Zuma often is treated unfairly in the media and I agree with that but that is a separate question to whether he's actually right in this case and I think the media often makes the mistake of treating Zuma unfairly which then creates sympathy for Zuma which means his supporters then ignore some of the falsehoods that he um, subscribes to. And I think that neither is correct. I think President Zuma should be treated fairly, but I think he's wrong. And I've said why I believe he's wrong. And if you agree or disagree, comment below and let's engage. Fam, thanks so much for watching this installment of SMWX. We're on the road to 20,000 subscribers. So please like, share, subscribe, share this with friends or family. Uh, share it on WhatsApp, share it on Twitter. I have a policy that if you tag me on Twitter or use the hashtag SMWX, 
about this content i will retweet you so please go to twitter let's get people talking about this and thanks so much let me know what other topics you'd like me to cover let me know if you agree or disagree down below and all i can say is later this week i have a really interesting interview coming up with one of your favorite political analysts wonder who it could be and isn't this just the time to be analyzing south african politics thanks for watching spread the fire i hear you